Hello and welcome to the my. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the My Shot of Life podcast with your co-hosts Stephen and Victor. On this week's episode, we'll be discussing Black Mirror, one of the uh, most popular shows on Netflix nowadays, and we'll also be drinking Bird Dog apple flavored whiskey. Um, later, we'll be talking about a recurring segment, Toilet Talk, and our subject of the week. Toilet height. Yeah, and since we're both two short guys, that is a big factor for both of us. Um, so as we drink our whiskey, talk our subjects, uh, we will be wrapping up the episode and discussing our rating of the whiskey at the end of the podcast. Enjoy the show. So today's subject... Oh, let's go ahead and get started here. Got the whiskey in hand. Cheers. Mm, man, that is a very bold smell for a flavored whiskey very appley mm. too sweet oh man that thing hits you hard in the front too it's too sweet it's a little bit overpowering once it hits your tongue i agree but then whenever you taste it it's really sweet yeah it's just really strange it's not terrible it is it is very strange yeah if you like cocktails uh i would say liqueurs mixed mixed this would mix well in something yeah, it would. I mean, but I'm saying, like, if you like flavored vodkas, you would like this, like, I guess it's technically called whiskey, and it's brown, so... Flavored whiskey. It just tastes so weird. Okay. So, our subject of the evening of the day, Black Mirror. One of my favorite shows on Netflix, um, and a show that Victor actually got me started onto by watching... I think the first episode that I watched was... Playtest. I believe it was. Season three. So, to me, I thought that episode was very... I don't know. It, it it didn't really hit me like some of the other episodes, but I enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed some of my favorite episodes in the overall series. I would agree. But what was what was an, a season or an episode that, um, I guess, that hit you pretty hard or something that you enjoyed... Um, something that made you, I guess the biggest thing with Black Mirror is that you watch an episode and then when you get done with it, you're left thinking about it for hours or days. Yeah. I think the very first episode that I watched was the very first episode of Black Mirror, which, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now, but it involved the prime minister right. and the pig, uh, without discussing too many spoilers. I honestly, um, at the end of the episode, I debated even continuing to watch Black Mirror. It had that much of an impact on me. I was just freaked out by what I had just witnessed. I can't really remember why, uh, I guess, he ended up doing the sexual act that he ended up performing at the end of the episode. I mean, do you recall why I did that? Are we going to... Yeah, if we're gonna. We're just probably gonna go into spoiler territory throughout this podcast. So for those people who are listening to this podcast... Spoilers are abound or a front or a foot or whatever. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Um, so, you know, be aware that when you're listening to this, if you haven't seen every episode or haven't even caught up with season four, we might touch on some things that, you know, you haven't seen yet. So beware. If, if you want to watch this episode or listen to this episode, you might want to catch up on your Black Mirror if you even care to do so. But the first episode that you were talking about was the National Anthem. The so National that the, Anthem. That was the Prime Minister having sex with a pig. That's pretty much it. So, uh... But what was even... 
some important person's daughter gets abducted. Uh, was it the queen? Oh, I don't know. Oh, some princess. Par- someone in parliament. So a, a, pr- a princess, I think. Okay. Princess gets abducted, and uh, the only way to get her back is for the prime minister to perform this act. Right. That pig. The whole thing was like it was a terrorist plot. Forcing someone to do something against their will to... It's like a hostage situation in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one actually was one of the ones that just didn't have the technology that the series has become to evolve into is that as we watch new and new seasons of the series, what new technologies are hitting these episodes that are making us think more and uh, I guess obviously as technology expands at an exponential rate that we could expect in the future. I mean, they're they're kind of becoming I don't know, not synonymous, but some it, it could happen in real life. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's very realistic the technology that they're introducing. Right. And so what I mean, what episode would you say the technology played a very important role in at least from a viewer standpoint? I mean, a ton of episodes. Uh one of my favorites was season one, episode three, titled The Entire History of You. Um, oh, yeah, that's a great episode. Yeah, it's a solid episode. It involves um, technology, which is known as the grain. Uh, it's basically this little kind of bean-looking device that goes, it's implanted right behind the ear, and it kind of stores, like, everything. Everything you witness and experience, it stores there. And you have a little tiny remote that you can use to go back through all of your memories and everything involved um, in your life and kind of scan everything through. I think the episode does a great job of the the consequences of having such technology in that um, I guess you're able to relive past events, both good and bad. I mean, for those people who had great high schools and were the you know the quarterback of the football team maybe that's something that someone would relive a lot but then again you have the other side of things where you live your life and then you face these awkward or uncomfortable or you may have done some wrong in your life and you keep replaying the past and you keep bringing yourself down because you're you're bringing up something that you've done so long ago or maybe not even that long ago but you can't even put it behind you because you have this ability to pull up any moment in your life um, clear, like 100% clearly. You know, you can't forget about it because it's it's easy to pull up an HD video of something you've seen or experienced in your life. Absolutely. And even like the great things too. I know there's a, a sex scene in there where the two participants, the husband and wife, are both like logged into a memory of the best sex that they had with each other. Oh, is that when they're actually having sex? Yeah. yeah. They're not actually like in the moment having sex. They're just like having sex, but... But they're remembering how how spontaneous or like how... Yeah, they're both using the grain at the same time to... Yeah, that's really odd. ...look back on the best sex that they had. So that means all you have to do is have really good sex once, and then, you know, you can reuse that over and over again. Yep. Um, But for that episode... You know, again, in spoilers territory, talking about how that guy would relive his moment or I guess moments in his life where he thought his woman, uh, his wife rather, was cheating on him. 
and eventually realizing that it was true and then the kid that he had was not his kid um and so it shows an example of you can dwell on something in the past or you can use i guess events from the past to uh determine events in the future and is that really even a good thing because had he not had that grain he wouldn't have thought about it as much or at least he wouldn't have much proof and then maybe he would have had a happier life being ignorant to the fact so you know not necessarily a good or a bad thing uh at least from my perspective but still interesting nonetheless definitely interesting uh, one of the episodes that I thought was pretty intense and left me, oh, man, I was, I think I was sitting on my bed watching it and I couldn't even, I couldn't even talk about the episode because I was still processing everything that happened. Uh, White Christmas was probably one of my favorites just because of the ending that it left, but some of the technology that was in that episode alone was, it was very creative and then it, it tackles a very heavy I guess, ethical dilemma. It's easily the most complicated episode. There, there's a lot going on in it. It's uh, They describe it as a special as opposed to just an episode. But, I mean, there are multiple types of technology involved. There are ethical and moral dilemmas, uh, like, abound within it. So, Well, yeah, I think with the fact that you can block someone out of your entire life literally block them you can the, the person still exists but you can make it so that when you're seeing that person you don't hear what they're saying you don't see their face which i think is an odd thing because but that, that person could come after you and attack you which we see in the episode happens but you don't even know if that person's gonna look at you weird or is gonna come after you because i believe blocked. that yeah they can can they see you i think if, they can and it's it works like the other way around so like uh the wife of one of the characters blocks the husband right because he's um been like lying to her i don't think he cheated on her at any point but like he was just being not a good husband generally well he was doing some shady business stuff and uh she blocked him and then it shows her from his perspective and she is all like pixelated and yeah like a static tv like a but from her perspective, do we ever even see that? Do we see if she can see him and just chooses to ignore him? I mean, do you? Well, I, I'm guessing that both parties are blocked. Uh, the person who's doing the blocking is has the discretion of taking that on or off. But they also don't see that person who's pixelated or that person they blocked because that person is pixelated to them. At least that, that was my understanding of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, you can't even see... If the person that you blocked is, if that's the person, that person would be blocked off, obviously. But there are people who have committed certain crimes, pedophiles, right? Mm-hmm. They would be red. So the the government or in, uh, law enforcement agencies could have that ability to block people as well. Yeah. So you get the ethics of is that is that moral, and does that mean that other pedophiles can see other pedophiles? Like and so now that, without the pixelation right the right thing. since they are both in the red category yeah. and what does that do does that create a mob of pedophiles and so the reason why this guy gets categorized as a pedophile um he runs he moonlights essentially as a 
kind of like a hitch, but not really a dirty hitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean that's about right. He yeah. was kind of he prepping helps, that guy through. Right, he helps people maybe socially awkward people get laid, basically. Yeah, guys specifically. And so he uses a device called an eye link where the person installs it and you basically get the chance to see from their perspective and you have a little earpiece as well. So he was coaching this guy because he could see what the guy was doing and hear everything that was going on. And so he was coaching him through the situation and there are like other guys online that uh, Matt, the, the guy who runs this service um invites on and so there's multiple people watching uh this all happen and the kid involved uh is uh, he goes to an office party meets this girl and they go back to her place and she ultimately like kills him like drugs him and kills him and uh it was so weird that she i guess she felt she had planned that beforehand. She was, or like, she, she was like high on drugs and stuff. Yeah, but she, so she had already had an idea of how she would. It seemed like she was already planning out murdering somebody, yeah. but then realized like that he was the perfect guy. Lure someone back and kill yeah, him. and so I he ended know. up becoming like an accessory to this, because he witnessed a, a witness. It. Yeah, right. Because, because he, he was he was basically it. the eyes. His, yeah, that guy's and second eyes did not do anything about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, think about the other ways you could use that technology, though. Say you were, and we, I think, I, I thought about this earlier in that you could, you could sell your right to your experience, and we may have even talked about this earlier in the week. If you were someone who was professional snowboarder or uh, a, a risk taker or, you know, like these Red Bull um, athletes, you could sell your eyes and or and it would be your experience, and it's, it would be basically uh, an alternative form of GoPro. Right. So like you can vicariously live through these other people. Yeah, I mean, and it's like I said, it's basically GoPro, but you're seeing exactly what they're seeing, and and I guess you could get into some really tricky stuff because like, what if <laughs> I'm gonna bring this up? But what if what if a porn star decided to do that? Um, and then they have a personal life as well, and say that their, you know, their professional life blends into their personal life. Is that inappropriate? And then at that point, you have to start having people sign waivers to say you're on tape. Um, so I think I think it's a very interesting technology. And obviously, you have other um, ways that you can execute the use of it, but it's um, again interesting nonetheless. And just one aspect of the episode right i mean this is a three-part episode and we haven't touched on the other part which was the ability to duplicate someone's consciousness which to me is extremely creepy i don't i honestly don't know if we'll find a way at least maybe in the next 100 years to to duplicate or find out how to isolate a individual's consciousness right and so that's what Matt's day job was, was setting up these devices called cookies where people who signed forms to purposely like have their consciousness recreated uh, and stuffed inside this device called a cookie, um, he would sell those and set them up and run the 
newly discovered consciousness through the the drill of like what they are now like hey your real life person decided to take their consciousness and stuff you inside of here to be their personal assistant is basically how that goes down they Um, just did a a command c or control c and control p yeah dumped them in the the google assistant or the alexa box and said that you are not real you don't necessarily have a physical being but you can imagine yourself as having one if it makes you feel better yeah but you don't eat you don't drink you don't sleep you should do the bidding of yourself you basically run the smart home for your person and i'm sure obviously you could use it for other things as well but it is insane to me that how that's even possible that that would be impossible but but and we'll touch on it later in the episode because they do something similar-ish in the later episode um, where the cookies are, you know, it is known. The person who is having their consciousness recreated and stuffed into the cookie is, that's what they want. Now, are you referring to the last episode of, this, of the fourth season? No, I'm referring to the... USS McAllister. Yeah. Well, there's also an episode in Black Museum, which is the very last episode of season four, the most recent season that came out in uh, the end of December, where you could take pretty much the consciousness, but also give that person the ability to feel the exact same thing that the person or entity feels. And so you can... Eventually, this person is put inside of a teddy bear. And so if you hug that teddy bear, it can feel the hug. And it can hear what you say. And it can see you. But it can't communicate. So that's, I mean, that's another instance, too. To me, the biggest part, if this ever were to be real, is do they have rights? The consciousness beings, do they would they have rights? Do they really feel anything? Because we see in the white Christmas episode that your main character, Matt, you said, right? Basically abuses the the consciousness by fast-forwarding through weeks of time, which in in our perspective would be seconds, but to the entity or the or the consciousness, it would it felt like they were in the same room for 24 hours times 14 or 12 or whatever days. And so that would that would make a person crazy because they would have no one to talk to. Did I was I I feel like I was going to a point I don't know if that was the point or not. I mean it, whether or not you can argue that copies of consciousnesses have rights or like the ability to right that was a feel. Yeah. Um so do you draw the line there is because the way they express the consciousnesses in all of the episodes where this takes place, I think there's three. White Christmas, USS Callister, and uh, Black Museum. Sure. But, it like, they take the perspective of the consciousnesses. They have their own perspective yeah, of and they're like and... characters, essentially, in right. the Right, they story. think for themselves. Yeah, they think for themselves. They are completely yeah. self-sufficient functioning minds Mm -hmm. and so 
just because they don't have bodies necessarily or real bodies um, right in the real world like you're essentially trapping these minds these people and if you terminate one of these things that's actually something i don't think we've seen in an episode is terminating a consciousness that was in the cookie or that was in the uss McAllister. Mm-hmm. we've never seen anyone terminated and so we don't know what happens if you're stuck it say you're this consciousness in the cookie and then the cookie gets deleted does that mean that your consciousness ceased to exist or does that mean that you are now in a black void and you, you drive yourself insane forever i don't know probably not the latter but who knows Maybe that's like real life. And so uh, another character whose consciousness gets stuffed inside a cookie in the episode White Christmas, his name is Joe. And so uh, Matt and Joe have spent all this time together uh, in a cabin in the woods and they haven't spoken to each other something like five years or whatever. And they finally on Christmas one day decide to start talking and they're eating and, and all that jazz and start talking about random things and it ultimately goes on to Joe's life and how his wife ends up leaving him with their daughter going to live with uh, the grandparents and um, uh, turns out his his wife dies and it's just the daughter and the grandfather and Joe is trying to hunt down his daughter to find her to get her because Beth refused to give contact and custody to Joe. And so they kind of go along the whole way and eventually he confesses to the fact that yes, he found them and uh, he ended up killing the grandfather because he wouldn't give up custody of the child. And uh, the daughter actually ends up dying. There's a blizzard and, and she ends up dying in the blizzard trying to get help for the grandfather as he lays Oh, dying. and he can't see her because... Yeah, she pretty much blends in with the snow because yeah. she's blocked off. Yep. So he wasn't able to see her because she was blocked to him. Right, and so the you, mother. So the end of the episode is basically him confessing this to Matt, who has been the guy who's convincing these cookies to kind of either do his bidding or you yeah. know. He, and what he, he his job is to break the cookies, I guess. Yeah. In a sense. What Joe didn't know was that he was in a cookie the whole time, and so Matt was picking away at his consciousness, trying to get his consciousness to confess to the murders so that Matt could actually get out of prison. Right, and then the the Matt that's in prison has no idea this even is happening. So that's another ethical dilemma in its own right. Is Would it be fair to make a duplicate consciousness of an individual to determine if that person has committed a crime? And I guess you could argue that, well, if they're a criminal, they've given up their right. But then you don't know if they're a criminal. Right. And so how is that fair? Right. Obviously, in this case, this person was guilty and probably deserved it. But, I mean, that person is left on repeat uh, for thousands and thousands of years as it goes by every single second. And is left in the house alone. His consciousness. His consciousness, right. Reminding himself that he's killed his daughter as well as a terrible Christmas song plays on a loop forever. It's true. It's terrible. So, is that not torture? Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. Getting into 
a similar subject. Um, we talked about the consciousness in White Christmas, but there was also a similar type of duplicating of consciousness in USS McAllister, which was one of my one of my more liked episodes in season four. Callister. What about it? You keep saying McAllister. Oh, do I say McAllister? USS McAllister. Is, is it really not McAllister? It's just Callister. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would make more sense why you kept giving me that look. So USS Callister, basically like a Star Wars homage. Um, Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, Star, Star Trek, actually. Uh, Star Trek homage, like a 70s, 80s vibe. They got some goofy clothes. They do like, they have kind of like the... Over the top. Over the top dialogues, kind of weird. Um, but it's it's really funny, and it also, in, in that episode, you see an IT professional who is, the I guess, the CTO of this corporation, who basically, he does all the work, as in gets the product out the door, and is in charge of creating the software. All the coding for the game. Sure. So he was the, the brains behind it, and then you had a CEO guy who came in and and ran the business. But that guy is antisocial and then creates this offline version of the game, which he ends up creating characters, duplicate of the characters in the game, and then will... Of the people he knows in yeah, real life. Yeah, of people he knows that he works with. Um, and so he just gets DNA samples of them, creates a duplicate consciousness, puts them in the game. They feel like they're a real person in this game and obviously don't want to... I don't know. Well, they can even die in the in the game, right? They can just get. I think he even makes he makes a quote in the in the episode. And I don't want to get it completely wrong, but he said something about I can make you on the verge of dying. I can make you choke on the verge of dying, and then give you breath, and then do it again forever for the rest of your life. That's scary. Brain. He sucks. Power trip. Terrible. Absolutely. I hated him. Fat Damon? Fat Damon, dude. <laughs> That's him, man. He looks... Dude, he's got the scrunchy face. He's got the real big cheeks. He was pretty good in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, when he shot that kid. <laughs> Best scene of the series. Damn nice. kids on their little bikes. Damn kids. Conducting business over here. Uh, don't condone shooting kids on bikes. Not at all. Um, but get this, this Get guy. off your bike first and you can... This guy, <laughs> just kidding. he takes uh, the the consciousnesses of these people that he works with, and he stuffs them into the game, and basically manipulates them as if they're puppets, and and ultimately they do have their own thought process and consciousnesses, and so they can think and do, and they are aware that they exist outside in the real world of the real world, and so the the plot the whole time they're trying to figure out. Uh, basically not how to get out, but how to stop falling under the control of the Captain Douche. Right. And they, you know, obviously find a plan to, or they try to conduct a plan to escape. I think for the most part, this is uh, very similar to White Christmas in that the same ethics come into play. And I think we, we've discussed it before where, I mean, the conclusion I came to is the guy who did it, Captain Douche, the guy who created this coding and copied the consciousnesses of these people, I have no problems with him doing that. Like, it's a little weird that he needed the DNA to be able to do it, and, like, it's creepy yeah. in that sense. But I mean, you could say that that's against their 
their rights, but like, right, yeah. it, you know, it, it just, they are consciousnesses. They are basically lines of code, essentially. Are they? So you're saying that lines of code, not you specifically, but you would be arguing that lines of code have rights and they were being violated but by... they can make their own decisions so are you just saying that's a really complex line of code yes i mean that's i think that's a fair argument i it's i guess the way that they humanize the people in the series make it seem like they are real people yeah i and guess so... my conclusion is did he do anything wrong no is it creepy yes yeah i mean i agree with that wholeheartedly i guess you're getting into what what can you do in your private life that doesn't affect your work life or or your outside life we talked about that we talked about that already but i think it's a good callback because this guy goes straight home plays video games all night long and that's his life he likes being in control and then he can go to work get shit on by his boss and other co-workers and then it doesn't matter because he'll be able to take it out on the people in the game true well anyways don't waste too much time on that one but i think we've made our point so there's one just a couple, I guess, that I wanted to talk about that aren't super in-depth. The episode Nosedive goes into detail. It's basically a society that banks on and runs on people's social status. So as you go about your day, you have your phone out, and when you have interactions with people, you then rate that person um, on a scale of one star, well, I guess zero stars to five stars. And so I thought it was very topical the episode came out. It was the first one of season three. And I'm not going to get into too many plot details, but it's just the technology and how it relates to today's society and how, you know, what if that was something that was implemented in today's society or is it even already? You know, you base people, oh my gosh, this person got like 900,000 likes on Instagram. They must be so cool. And that's basically the same thing. They got rated five stars. And it's just, it's mind-blowing to me. Um, I think like with most things, there's good and bad that comes with this. The good being, though, I've seen this, or I I think we've seen this being applied in current uh, real-life situations right now. You have an Uber or you have a Lyft. You pay for it. You rate it. Sure do. So you figure out how good that guy's rating system is. Once you see someone under four stars give you a car ride or is en route to give you a car ride, that's going to... Under four stars, mind you. This could be three and a half, 3.9 stars. If you see under four, you're like, what happened? Whoa. You know, so that puts a lot of burden on, not the consumer, but the, uh, I can't think of the word now. The driver. Not the vendor, but. Driver. Servicer. Service provider. Service provider. That's a better way. So this puts a lot of pressure, a lot of responsibility on the service provider of putting out a good product out the gate. Because if you don't, you have that small window of getting a bad rating. No one will give a shit about you. Absolutely. And uh, I guess the other factor from that episode is that the society is kind of based off of this. And in order to achieve certain social statuses and like life events, you have to have a certain social status. So the girl in the episode, the main character, she wants to live in a certain apartment complex, but she needs to have like a 4.6 rating or 4.2 rating or whatever. Do they explain why that, was a, that, why that was it's the case? It's just like an exclusive community. Would you compare that to a country club? And so if you're not of that status, maybe the homeowners association is like, well, this person doesn't really need to We don't want be them here. here. Right. Yeah. 
That's essentially the same Okay, thing. I didn't know if it was that or if it was more of like a credit score. No. Just completely social status based. Right. Now, did they have regular currency in the show? Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, regular currency, but your ability to use the currency was impacted by your social status. Okay. Now, did this happen on when they went to the store and stuff too? Did you... Um, the only examples they have of it is when she's trying to get into the apartment. She's trying to buy this apartment. Right, I remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then at one point she needs, her like car breaks down or she can't charge it in a certain place. And so she's on her way to her friend's wedding. And so she finally makes it to an airport and is like, I'll just fly there. And then by the time she tried to buy a ticket, the only ones left were for certain people with a social status above a certain amount of stars, and by that time she had fallen so low that she was not able to purchase the ticket. That's interesting. Yep. So you have to be of a certain status to get a certain seat on an airplane. Yeah, and I think it was based on like similar to what we have with first class and economy and whatnot. There were no economy seats left. And to be fair, in our society, it depends on how much money you have. Or what deals you can find online. Well, true. (laughs) On the line. But yeah, I think that's a I think that's a pretty interesting and and fair argument that you can compare that to modern society. And I mentioned Yelp whenever I was saying the whole rating scores that you know as soon as you get like a one star that affects your future of your company. What, what negatives do you see that being? Do you see anything like that ever happening? Because I feel like that the way that we operate that would quickly be considered discrimination. Yeah, absolutely. It would further polarize the the uh, it would definitely current pol- social hierarchy, right? And then you would definitely see a big uh, you would see pick people pointing out in greater detail the one percent and the upper class against the lower middle class, yeah, and even the upper middle to lower middle class. So I think the only applicable areas is what you mentioned earlier with Uber and Lyft and stuff and the rating systems there, where it's like actually. You know, you actually take into account those scores where you look and you're like, oh, nice, 4.9. This guy's going to be good. Or, oh, shoot. What really creeped me out about that episode was that they would rate you based off of your interaction with them. Like a one-time interaction or a consistent day-to-day interaction. Right. It showed that person running into someone at work and then five stars. Hey, you just made coffee. Five stars. Five stars. Hey, you just waved at me. Five stars again. And did you rate me five stars? Okay. Looks sounds good. Yeah, they were super concerned. Right. And I think it's the same thing. What I was saying is that when you start rating too many people at an unrealistic system, kinda like how we do with Uber and Lyft, that if you give a four, people get a little bit outraged. Why'd you give me a four? Well I mean, you were good, not great. Exactly. Yeah. But if <laughs> if that were to happen in that com in, in that, that episode, they'd freak out. But what I'm saying is you can't be honest in those sort of systems. Well, people are brutally honest, and they'll give you a one or two star review on Yelp. If you go in the, you know, the iTunes store right now, I guarantee you're going to see tons and tons and tons and tons of five star reviews for, you know, a good podcast. Even this one probably wouldn't get five. No, three. <laughs> <laughs> maybe an, maybe an earlier episode. Five stars. I would give it the exact same thing I'm giving this apple whiskey at the end of the episode. Oh gosh. Um. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. And so, move on a little bit. Well, sorry, I, 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 w- I would recommend, I guess, a couple episodes that we're not going to touch on here to take a look at and just let you know kind of what they have to offer. San Junipero was one of my favorite episodes, not necessarily because of the content, because it was set 
1987. Is it sad or and is I it love the 80s. Weird that I didn't watch that episode because everyone said it was amazing. Well, see, and it's weird with me because not to ruin anything, but it kind of sorta has a happy ending, I guess, not really. And I've read that. And I hate happy endings. I want everyone to die in everything that I watch. Well, but if I'm watching Black Mirror, I want something bad to happen. Right. But as one of the few bright spots in the Black Mirror universe, um, I did enjoy this episode. And I think the technology was really cool. Um, technology is that you can take your consciousness and plug it into basically a simulation. Mm-hmm. And you can go back to anywhere in time and kind of do anything within that simulation to experience those days again and it's mostly targeted at older folks who are basically on their deathbed to kind of uh you know go back and experience the things one last time or or something new in this case Mm -hmm. um before their time is up so that's definitely a cool one uh men against fire do you want to talk about that one just briefly yeah we can we can touch on that really briefly and men against fire you see a number of soldiers. I'm guessing they're in the Middle East. I don't even remember if they show where they're at. I don't know. Well, because you see a bunch of, well, I guess they look like Americans, right? Yeah. They kind of like homeless people. Yeah. The, basically, the, the government killing what they perceive as what the soldiers aliens? perceive as they creatures. Call roaches. Roaches. That's right. Um, which makes they look like aliens yeah. and, and garb. and They look like the. One alien from Men in Black, the farmer dude. Who gets oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, That's actually a good point. Like. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, and I couldn't tell in the episode because the, the way that they filmed it, the tone of the film or the it's like, like sepia or whatever. The, you know what I mean? Where it's not black and white, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like brown or has like a tint. Yeah, contrasted. Sure, yeah. So anyways, back to the episode, you learn that these soldiers are being manipulated to kill these people. What they call roaches yeah. are actually people. And I don't remember if they get into why they killed the people, but it was basically the government wanting them to kill people, uh, and the only way that they could convince soldiers to do what they were saying was to manipulate their vision so that they perceived these people to be alien creatures. Yeah, these creatures. In a sense. In reality, they were killing innocent people because the government wanted them to to accomplish whatever the government wanted yeah, to Yeah, whatever the goal was. So um, how does that make you feel? Uh, terrible. Yeah, Absolutely terrible. This was also not a great episode, in my opinion. But I didn't think the execution was great, but I thought the subject matter was pretty good. Um, I don't know if we would ever manipulate anyone the way that they did in that episode, but, but again, it, yeah. we've done some weird things in our past. Yeah, and you can definitely think, I mean, the idea of terrorism, I mean, yeah, I understand that it, it's real and it happens, but at the same time, there is the idea of like influence, the government saying, oh my gosh, these people are terrorists, you have to go kill them. So it's, right. it's the same concept minus the vision impairment, the augmented reality stuff. To me, that was, it was really messed up. Pretty dark, and I, I can't really remember much else than what, what happened. I, there was a really long go, monologue. and Go watch it yourself. Yeah, go watch it, you know. Tell us what you think about it. Hated in the Nation, I want to touch on. Just because bees are awesome. So this one uses, uh, I'm assuming it's after... It's bee technology. Bee technology. It's <laughs> uh, after the bees like go extinct, we have to use drone bees, which is actually being developed now. Yeah, uh, Google it. Human-created robotic drone bees um, respond to... Their task is to pollinate and do what bees are supposed to do. But they get hacked, and then they start responding to a hashtag on Twitter where... 
the people basically tweet out something like someone needs to die or yeah or, i hate this person or yeah. or this per- i think it was more of like a this person was a bad person and the way that they put it on twitter i guess it manipulated the bees into yeah. and whoever had bidding. whoever had the most tags with that hashtag would get killed by the bees and like people weren't 100 percent sure what was causing it at first and then they finally figured it out and ultimately at the end whoever hacked the bees got their ultimate revenge and just uh, desserts. and what happened was every single user on twitter who ever used the hashtag was killed spoiler alert um was killed by the Wait. bees and i forget the exact total but there were almost 400,000 people that were killed and so it goes to show don't talk shit over the internet that you wouldn't say in real life yeah basically don't be a don't sit behind a keyboard and use your anonymity or i guess in this case not anonymity to like bully people it's it's a, i think it's a pretty decent lesson i mean i'm not saying that Everyone also, who talks shit like that should get killed. Though. I don't. What might be that, overlooked but. here is basically if we can just save real bees and not have to use drone bees. <laughs> so we don't have to worry about this. And we can keep we won't talking have shit. to worry about this. So save the bees. And the last episode I want to bring up just because I found a couple of relevant articles and things that have been happening in real life that correspond or line up with the episode. The episode's called Be Right Back, and I actually didn't watch this episode, but talking to Vic about the episode, it sounded like a woman lost her husband, and she signed up for the service where they she was able to communicate with her lost husband. Is that right? Yes. And then eventually, as the episode progresses, she gets a, I guess, an actual life form of him, like an actual... It's not a clone, right? Kind Maybe. of a clone, but Maybe. like a robotic clone. I don't know. Right, but it uses all of his, I guess it uses his ideas up to the point at which he died. And his same vernacular, vocabulary, anything, the way that he would say things or the things that he would say, they would be consistent with things he's done in the past. And so, I guess, I don't even know if there's an, an ethics behind that. It's just kind of creepy to me. That's a little creepy. But there is a, there's a service that you can sign up for, and it's called... E-T-E-R-9, which I'm guessing they're going for eternity in a way, but yeah. uh, you can sign up for that. And then I think you sync up your phone or previous chats with someone, and then you can text them, and they would respond in a manner that would be consistent with their past texts. So that's weird. Uh, and then there's another guy. The story is on Wired.com. I can post it on the website. But it's basically a son who programmed his phone to replicate the way his dad would talk to him and his dad passed away but he's a he's a programmer and then he can do the talking to it like a siri or text it it responds exactly like it's his father and it's really creepy it's a little weird uh i feel like i feel like that is just it adds on to maybe not adds on but it it prevents you from being able to let go yeah and get over a situation like that because it's gonna happen everyone's gonna lose someone in their life um and at having this added to your life i'm not sure if that's the best thing so that's going to be the i guess the question of our episode overall would you be interested in a technology something like the grain or the be right back episode with the essentially cloned person or even uh, i guess adding in more rating experiences in our society things that were are driven by ratings rather than monetary value maybe i don't know 
I don't even know how far you can or get into real that. experiences. Yeah. Like you're just rating someone five or whatever. Or uh, would you have your consciousness installed in a cookie and be your personal assistant? Would you, you know? create yourself into a slave? Would you crazy create yourself into some sort of non-seeing but all-seeing, all-knowing consciousness? I guess. Um, kind of creepy. So definitely feel free to comment on what you would be interested in doing and go watch Black Mirror. Every single episode, it's it's uh, not serialized. What's the word I'm looking for? It's episodic. That's the word. So every single anthology, every single episode can be watched as a standalone episode. Right. New, new actors, new plot lines. Yes, yeah, so you can watch. You can watch it out of order. Watch it whichever one you want to watch first. Go for it. Go for, just for a random episode. For all you single people out there, I would recommend Hang the DJ. Yeah. Season four, it's, episode four, one of my favorite episodes gave me hope in the dating world. There's no hope. That's also true. <laughs> um. But yeah, so go go in there, go watch, check out some Black Mirror, tell us what you think about it. Hopefully this helped you out. Hopefully this brought up some good points or some some ethical dilemmas that you experienced on your own right when you watched the episodes. Hopefully we had the same ideas, or if, even even if we did not have any the same ideas, hopefully this gave you the opportunity to think about them in more detail. Because this technology, while it may be fictional now, it may not be later. Right, it's right down the road. And right down the road to Toilet Talk. Heck yeah, speaking of technology, the greatest technology of all time, toilets. Uh, <laughs> so, I today, thought you were going to say the squatty potty. No, but was, we will talk about I'll, that. I'll bring it up, yeah. So today's Toilet Talk topic is toilet height, which we discussed a little bit earlier. You've got your low toilets. That nice. was my toilet impression. Perfect. I think that was good. It's beautiful. You've got your low toilets, your high toilets. What exactly is the pop proper pooping position? And can you utilize a squatty potty? Um, well, I'll go ahead and start with this one because the number one issue that I've faced in my life is getting on a toilet that's way too tall and you're either on your tippy toes or, and this is the absolute worst case scenario, your feet are hanging off the toilet <laughs> and are not touching the ground. I've got to say, Steve, I am four or five inches shorter than you are. No, you're five nine, dude. I'm you're actually five, like seven. five five and a half. No, that's what the that's what the guy told me at the. Or that's actually what the, one of the ladies told me at the PA's office. That's not real. That's, that's what they told lie. me. I hope not. Okay, because five I'm, six. I'm like five three. Anyway. That's never happened. My feet yeah. have never You've dangled. Never dang- I've been on tall toilets. Well, all right, before, okay, let's. But I've been tiptoeing. We're let's bring it back to like middle school, high school, right? Uh, I didn't poop okay. much at middle okay. school, or high school. That could be a whole subject in its own. But I'm pretty sure I've been on the toilet, and I was like, "Wow, I can't even touch the." I mean, maybe like my toes. Yeah. There's a difference between like I can touch half of my foot on the ground mm-hmm. and just grazing my toes on the ground. Like right. that's that's an issue. Okay. If I'm having to pick my tippy toes up, just so I can kind of get a little bit of you know leverage. leverage, oh yeah, then we have an issue. Oh yeah. So so consensus is low toilet greater than low high toilet, toilet all day. Now the lower the better. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so, if there's a hole in the ground, that's the best you can get. So how does that <laughs> gross? How does that impact your position? Um. Well, it's science. It is science. I agree. Uh, the higher up your knees are, the wider. Is it your sphincter opens up? Something along the the rectum. The rectum. It, it is a sphincter muscle. Yeah. It is the okay. rectum. Okay, correct. Yeah, you're right. 
Um, and so, according to science on this, <laughs> science. <laughs> I will quote science. Um, science loves being quoted. It slides out easier. That I mean, it's a hundred percent true. Yeah, one hundred percent. I am backing this claim. I don't. It's, I am on board with science. Yeah, I'm on board with myself. It, it's like if you're at the gym and you're doing squats, right? The goal of the squat is to get your Go lower, right? To get your hips below your knees, and then pop back up again. That's so right. the same goes with a proper pooping position. You got to get your knees above your hips. Mm-hmm. So that's where maybe a squatty potty could come in. If you're on a higher toilet, prop your and legs up. If you're, yeah, if your feet are hanging off that toilet and you can barely touch the ground, I recommend using a squatty potty. Absolutely. Um, I actually have one right now, but I didn't realize how short my toilet was until I got one. Uh, my knees were at my face when I was taking a poop. <laughs> Did not I, could not, I could not leverage it. Uh, I, think, I think there is a, a position... If you were to pull out a protractor, you could see what kind of angle you're looking at right here. Probably like a 45-degree angle with your knees up. And 45-degree from your knees to your waist to your head, right? I think that's fair. Absolutely. 90-degree angle, too wide. 15-degree angle, you got too much spread out. Now, for a detailed analysis of this, feel free to check out the article, How to Poop Like a Samurai. Featured on theartofmanliness.com. It's an older post, so you might have to search for it once you get there. And this is for you, men and women, even though the website is Art of Manliness. One of my favorites. It's artofmanliness.com. How to poop like a samurai. Do you have any... Can you give a summary of that? Because this is the first I've ever heard of this, and now I'm really curious. A samurai, Stephen, would sit squarely on the seat cross his leg so that his right ankle rested on his left knee (laughs) his left foot remained on the ground he would place a hand on each knee and then straighten his back that's it it's all about angles we've been over this already that's a bit much he's crossing his leg yeah that that one's a little bit much for me but as far as getting the angles i'm gonna try it next time yeah getting the angles and opening up the rectum very important i think Rectum falls under the words of being weird to use. I hate that word. So rectum, moist. Moist is a great word. There's another one. Squ- squirt. <laughs> I don't know. That's <laughs> my favorite drink. Kind of weird. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, is there anything else you want to touch on the toilet height? You're a smaller guy, Victor. Yeah, yeah as a smaller guy, lower is better. And I think just in general, like, like we said, science. If you're on a lower toilet, I mean, if you're like, we work with a guy who's like 6'7". So if he's on a low toilet, imagine. that's just like, it's like you with your squatty potty. Yeah, man. Your, so, your angle's being thrown off. There, I think there's an angle of maximum or minimum resistance. Yeah, there's minimum and then you go too far. And you it, go too far, yeah. uh, it's it's like radicalism. Right. You know, you go too far on one side. So that's our segment on Toilet Talk this week. Um, Hope you enjoyed. I drank all of mine. Did you? My did ice you, melted. You did not like it. I didn't like it that much. Uh, for a whiskey, I don't, I, I was really going to give it like a 1.5. Remember, like this right is right out the gate. Bird dog, apple flavored whiskey, rocking in at 80 proof. Yeah. 80 I will proof. say it does not taste 80 proof. It doesn't. It's really, it's smoother once you've had a couple and it gets watered down a little bit. I know when I, when I first poured it or when you first poured it, the smell of it 
it felt overbearing, just the smell of it. Honestly, as it's watered down with the ice cube, it's gotten more tolerable for it me. It has. And I would say, like I mentioned at the top of the show, that's a solid mixed drink whiskey. Like, it's already got that apple flavoring in it. If you want right. to mix that with, like, apple cider for a nice fall drink, heat it up or something like that. Yeah, if you if you were big in that, in the ciders, this is an excellent I'm whiskey. I'm a big, big fan of whiskey into. ginger ale as well, but I'll use a lot of different yeah. whiskeys in that. But if I want to throw some flavor in it, sure, why not? Yeah, so I highly recommend not drinking this straight <laughs> at all. I agree. Um, if you got an ice cube, two ice cubes, let it sit for a little bit. It's great after that, or it's it's better. Um, it still is very sweet. I think we can both say that. Yeah. Do we need to get away from the rating system, or do you still feel comfortable with giving it a number? Because I was thinking about this in our other, earlier podcasts, and I don't know if if that's if like giving it a four and then going back and drinking something else, and right. I don't know. Right. What do you, how do you feel? We would need to keep a running tally of what we've yeah, rated. Yeah, and I don't want I don't want anyone to be thrown off by how we're rating this, and by giving it a like an actual I'm trying to burp over here. <laughs> I keep th- I can't think of the right thing to say. Giving it a, a a numbered star, a number of stars. I don't know if we're doing it a disservice. I don't know. It, maybe it doesn't deserve a service. True. <laughs> we drank Bird Dog, Apple Whiskey, Meh. <laughs> Meh. No, I, I think it's I think it's good to describe in detail how and when it tastes good and when to use it, and yeah. I think that's the best way to do it. Sure. Who needs a if, rating if, system? Sure. Let, I mean, if, let the but people. If you, but if you were to give it a rating out of five, <laughs> out of five, what would you give it? Two point two. Uh, I think I could get on board with that. I I can go around two or two point. I would say it's close to a two point five as a mixing whiskey. Sure. Like yeah. I said, if I want I, that little I bit of even, flavor and yeah. sweetness, it's not bad. Depending on what your situation is, if you like a sweeter drink, I recommend it. If you're looking to sit down and actually have some nice whiskey, nope. No, absolutely not. Definitely not. No. All right. So that's it. That is that is episode three of the podcast. We appreciate you joining us for this longer episode. Um, we hope you had a good time. Again, you know, feel free to comment on our website yeah thanks for supporting the podcast guys and gals uh and giving it a listen wherever you may be listening if you feel so inclined please rate and leave us a review on itunes it really helps drive our popularity don't forget to give us a follow on social media it is at my shot of life on both twitter and instagram And check out our YouTube channel, where in addition to iTunes and Stitcher, we will be posting our episodes each week. Feel free to reach out to us through our various outlets with comments and suggestions on future episode topics, as well as different drinks to try and rate. I'm Steven. And I am Victor. And always remember, drinks drinks are better better with friends. friends.